Apostle Paul uh, have had and found, uh, obviously, in the book of Acts. Don't turn there. That will not be our text. I'll just uh, try to find uh, my place. Um, <clears throat> and uh, in these uh, journeys uh, that the Apostle did, uh, these uh, many times lasted for years. And uh, uh, Paul and his companions uh, did spread the gospel message to the different places, uh, both to the Jews and indeed to the Gentiles. Now, on his first missionary journey, uh, he was joined by Barnabas. Uh, and uh, in, in, in their initial strategy, if you like, is that they would go to uh, the, the, the Jewish synagogues. Uh, that's his custom, as the, the Bible says. Uh, but, beloved, the Jews rejected their message at the time. So much so that uh, uh, that message of Christ and the cross, they hated it so much. I didn't like it at all. So the converted uh, persecutor in the Apostle Paul became the one that is now persecuted. Uh, it was on this first missionary journey that he was stoned and left for dead. God had a, had a purpose for him, and God spared uh, his life. Um, then they turned to the Gentiles and indeed preached the gospel message to them. Now, the Bible says, after much controversy, and as God would have it, the Gentiles were saved without submitting to the Jewish traditions. Now, we'll skip the second missionary journey for a moment, uh, but on his third missionary journey, uh, his preaching was also confirmed with miracles. Uh, uh, in particular, at Troas, that he preached a, a very long message, and uh, somebody was uh, listening uh, on, on the window pane, and he fell, and he died. Now we're in a bit of danger here. We just had a wonderful meal and some nice cakes and sweets. Don't you fall asleep on me now. I, I cannot promise that uh, like the Apostle Paul did, uh, he, he was able to heal, uh, heal him back to life. I can't do that. So don't fall asleep on me, okay? So um, it was uh, a wonderful uh, time. However, uh, this journey, there was uh, uh, what we would call now uh, a revival uh, in the places that the Apostle Paul uh, uh, came and, and, and went. But just like there are revivals, there were also riots that happened to the places where he'd been. In fact, propagated by this silversmith named Demetrius, uh, who in opposition to Christ and his devotion to the goddess uh, Diana, uh, uh, his oppositions and, and persecutions uh, were felt by Paul and his companions during the journey. But you know what, beloved? It made the churches all the more strengthened in sharing the good gospel of grace in the midst of their persecution. Now, in between that first and that last missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 15 to 18 records for us the second missionary journey. Uh, it was on this occasion that there was uh, sharp contention, is the word that the Bible used. 
sharp contention, a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Uh, the contention was so sharp that they separated as a result. And uh, Barnabas took John Mark and Paul went to Cyprus and took Silas. Uh, sorry, uh, John Mark and Barnabas went to Cyprus and Paul took Silas and went to Asia Minor. Well, at least that's what they're wanting to do. But God had other plans. The Bible said that they were forbidden to preach the gospel in Asia and were redirected to Greece, in Macedonia to be specific. This redirection uh, is what we now know as the Macedonian call. Uh, the apostle preached at Philippi, he preached at Salonica, and he preached at Corinth. It was such a productive mission trip, speaking of mission trip, uh, as we now know, uh, the, his son in the faith, Timotheus, was saved during this trip. Uh, it was on this trip that the Philippian jailer and his whole family got saved. Uh, it was here that Lydia, a very prominent business woman, was saved along with her household. Uh, she became very faithful in the faith, so much so that she used her resources, her house even, and became very hospitable to the Apostle Paul and his companions, and indeed for the cause of the gospel. It was also on this journey that Paul preached that famous message in Corinth at Mars Hill um, and declared to them to the unknown God. Uh, that uh, they were ignorantly worshipping. This third mission trip allowed Paul to find his friends for life in Priscilla and Aquila. I wonder, I wonder if they did not obey the prompting of the Holy Ghost to go to Greece, whether they would have a productive ministry as they did. Macedonia, uh, it proves to us that when we are at the very center of God's will, we can do a lot for Christ. Now, why did I go and labor through these missionary journeys? And in particular, this second and even uh, more specifically, the ministry at Macedonia only to set the background for our text, and indeed our theme this morning and in this month, uh, this month of May being missions. Uh, this is not new to you, those of you who have been here with us at Calvary, um, we stretch the missions focus in one month because um, uh, I've learned and I'm learning that uh, sometimes we, need repetition to really get to understand a concept, a biblical principle. Uh, and this year, uh, it was my prayer earlier on in the year, uh, that the Lord would um, have us a different attitude on missions conference this year. You see, beloved, gone are the days where missionaries can fly in and we'll have preaching from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we'll finish the conference on a Sunday. 
Oh, I've missed those days. I grew up in the Philippines in Joe's days. We would have missionaries come from different parts of the Philippines, and uh, we would host them. We would take care of them, and we would hear their stories. Um, these days, that's far in between, and they're rare. Uh, these days, to come up with a meeting, whether it's a revival meeting or a missions meeting or a prophecy meeting, somehow we tailor it in a day or two. Most of the time, we just do it in a day or even half a day sometimes. And so my, my sort of solution to that is um, because we're all so busy and life is so different, perhaps we'll do missions in one month that for four Sundays we put emphasis on missions. And I'm hoping and praying that uh, somehow, somewhere in that four Sundays, we'll get it. Particularly this year, our theme is, Lord, hear my, send me. And the skit uh, really um, put that in, 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 uh, in, uh, in context. You see, so far in our missions month, we have considered the Good Samaritan. Remember the first time? Second, the madman in Gadara who became a missionary. Um, and then we learned of the deacon, Philip, who went and won a soul to Christ, the Ethiopian eunuch. Last Sunday being our Mother's Day, uh, we uh, challenged ourselves and considered missionary motherhood. Uh, in that uh, we looked at Salome, Mrs. Sebedee, and her love for her sons. With our theme, Here Am I, so Send Me, as we finish our missions month next Sunday, my last two messages for us, and uh, Joshua will wrap this up on Sunday night, uh, these last two messages now will focus on those who can no longer go to the regions beyond, so to speak, uh, but can give to those who have gone and those who will go. Open your Bibles now, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is not the first time that I will preach from this passage, as you know. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and in the context of missions, we learn to get up and go. We also learn to get up close and personal. And we learned to get up and preach. And the title of our message this afternoon is to get up and give. Get up and give. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, would you stand with me, please? Um, sorry, first, second Corinthians chapter 8, here in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, 
praying as with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you once again for the privilege and the opportunity to serve you in this way. Thank you, Lord, for the many missionaries that have gone before us, those that are still in the field right now. And would to God, I pray, that you would call amongst us somebody that would go and bring the message of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to some foreign land perhaps, but also even now to our places of work in our own neighborhood just across the fence, that neighbor that we've had for this many years, yet we haven't given them or shared to them the gospel message. Perhaps that place where we get our petrol, that lady that's on the checkout, our favorite restaurant, our favorite coffee place, anywhere and everywhere that people would give us a hearing. I pray, Lord, that we would be that missionary to them. Lord, I don't know, I don't see the hearts of your people today. If there's a mission field in the here and now, right in the four walls of this room, may today be the day of their salvation. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Get up and give. On the outset, let me say this. Missions and mission endeavors of any local church needs money and lots of it. I'm not here to get into your wallets. I'm just here to preach the word. So I trust that uh, you will not shut off over the course of the afternoon or the message because I want to prove to you that when it comes to giving, in this case, missions giving, or any giving for that matter in the local church, the ground and pillar of the truth, which Christ is the head of, any giving to the local church, money is really not the issue. The heart is. So please, over the course of the next few minutes, let the word of God speak to you and to me and to all of us. After all, God said of his people, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. It is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. Beloved, you are wealthy today because God allowed you to be. You're wealthy today 
because God allowed you to gain wealth. Yes, you may have worked hard. You may have been diligent. But ultimately, you were able to earn uh, either by working for someone else or have been successful in your own business because God has blessed you. And I trust you, me, we, we're all good stewards of God has entrusted to us. In Luke 12, you'll find a plenty of principles on stewardship. In your own time, I encourage you to read through that. Now, just before we get into our text, can I say to you that there are many ways to give? And in the scriptures, there is the giving of the tithe. Some people believe that tithing or the giving of that 10% is only true in the Old Testament. And it started when the law was given. You see, tithing and all the discussions and the narratives about it gets lost. Because we forget that the underlying principle of tithing, and when I say tithing, I mean that portion that is God's. Back in the garden, God said to Adam, of every fruit of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. There's that principle. There is what is exclusively for God, and there is what is given for man to be used and to be consumed. Beloved, as far as back as the Genesis account, we can see the principle of setting a portion for God. Adam knew. Cain and Abel knew. Abraham knew it. He gave the tithe to Melchizedek. Did he not? In Genesis 14. Jacob knew it. He made a vow to give the tenth back to the Lord. Genesis 28. These men and the time that they lived uh, was way before the giving of the law in Moses. Way before. Before God even made the command to give the tenth to the Levites. And the tenth for their offerings for him. So the principle of tithing, that of setting apart of that portion that is not ours, but the Lord's, is well and truly began before the law. And I believe that the principle is well taught in the New Testament as well. In Matthew 5, the Lord Jesus said, He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In Matthew 23, again, the Lord Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and notice, not to leave the other undone. Not to leave the other, the paying of the tithe undone. In Romans 3, the Apostle Paul 
giving instructions about the law and faith in the context of salvation. And in verse 31, he asks, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Then he said, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. In essence, he was saying that the principles, I repeat, the principles of the law and not the law itself is not nullified in the new covenant, but upheld. And obviously, includes tithing, that separating of that portion, which is God's and not man's. Here in our text, the Apostle Paul was not talking about giving the tithe. The giving according to the law. But he was talking about grace giving. He was reminding the church that a year ago, they made a commitment to give to and for the saints in Jerusalem. And in his missionary travels, he was boasting to the other churches about the Corinthian church and what they have committed into doing. Because of this boasting, the other churches in Macedonia were encouraged to do what the church at Corinth promised to do. The other churches did what they promised, but the Corinthians, by this time a year has already passed, still have not performed what they promised. Verse 1, the grace of God. The word grace here is charis, graciousness, that manner, that act. It's the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Did you get that? It's that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. The gift, that grace, that joy in liberality. Beloved, that is the grace that is mentioned here. And God was the one that bestowed that kind of grace into the church or churches in Macedonia. Now that grace bestowed upon them was not meant to be stowed, but to be shared. And they, the Macedonians, did not stow it, but shared it. How? How? Well, verse 2. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now understand that they were in affliction. Not just affliction, note the biblical language here, but great affliction. Again, poverty. Not just poverty, but deep poverty. But in spite of that, unlike the Corinthians, they actually kept what they promised to give to the churches in Jerusalem. Now, I have to say here in Australia, 
And uh, I'm fully aware of it, and Cherry and I are experiencing it ourselves right now, and I'm sure all of you do. The cost of living, precious. But by and large, we are still protected from poverty here in Australia. That abject or extreme poverty. Sure, we see and hear people in hardships. We see people that are homeless. I don't understand that in a country such as ours. Perhaps in Manila, where I was born, I, we see it every day. And I can understand why. There's no social security support where I came from. But in Australia, I'm sorry, I've been here over 20 years, close to 30 years. I still don't understand why we have homelessness. But, sure, we see it. We see here and it's, we, sh we see and hear people in, in hardships. Uh, we see people that are homeless, like I said, but as a nation and as a whole, um, we haven't really been exposed to deep poverty. Um, that is happening right now, perhaps, in some third world country right now as we sit here. But let me ask you then, and perhaps this is not applicable to all of us here, but perhaps there were times in our lives where our expenses were more than what we earn. The budget as such is in the negative. Somehow you have to make ends meet. Either you increase your income or you decrease your expenses. And to balance the budget, so to speak, as you cut your expenses... The first thing that you and I would do is to take out those ones that we really do not value the most. Those expendables, if you like. Those items or things that we don't really consider as important or necessary. Because we want to balance the budget. Beloved, in those times that your budget is not where it needs to be, and the first thing that you have to cut is your giving to the Lord and His church, you've just proven one thing in your life. You don't value Him and His cause any more than your coffee and your expensive car or your holidays that you've been saving for. You can't sacrifice the clothes, the shoes, but the offering to the church and missions, look, God will understand. Sure he does. He always does. For he knoweth our frame, that we are but dust. He's merciful. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are but flesh and blood. He knows of our failings and our shortcomings. Yeah, he's merciful. And indeed, he is gracious. 
But can I ask, if he is the first one that we take out, out of our budget, is that then our valuation of him? The one who gave his life, the one who died so that we may live, is that our value of him? He is expendable? Oh, I hope not. I certainly hope not. So these churches in Macedonia, according to the apostle, were in great affliction. They were in deep poverty. Yet look at the verse. They abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Wow. Verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. For to their power, in essence, the Apostle Paul was saying, they gave according to their ability. And I'm a witness to that, Apostle Paul said. I bear record, he said. You know what else Paul says? Look at that verse again. Paul said, and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves. Of what? Verse 4. Willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Here we find these believers they gave according to what they can give. Now there are things that I can do or give without thinking much about it. That is giving within my power. But there is an amount of money that I cannot give not because I don't want to but simply because I don't have it. Or, better said, I don't have the budget to do so. But I will give it, trusting the Lord to provide it. Folks, that's giving beyond our power. Over and above our power. The Macedonian believers, they were in affliction, great affliction. They were in poverty, deep poverty. But in spite of that, they gave, they gave according to their power and beyond their power. For what purpose? For the ministering and the fellowship of the saints, in this case, the saints in Jerusalem. The object of their mission giving were the saints in Jerusalem. The object of our missions giving are the people represented behind that wall uh, in the bulletin board where you see prayer letters, plenty of them. Those letters represent real people, real lives in the service areas that God has called them. That's our mission's object. 
And we, we are the Macedonians, if you like, the ones that are in great afflictions at the moment. Perhaps ones that are in deep poverty, the ones that have the power to give. We are the ones that would give to these missionaries and their families so that they can remain in their respective fields, so that the good gospel of grace would continue to be shared in those countries, in those areas, in those people that will never otherwise hear the gospel. And depending on our commitment to give, perhaps we can support someone to go. Perhaps we can support someone who is already in that country and right now doing missions work. That's perhaps not on the board yet. One of the reasons why I will come apart over the next two weeks is to ask for wisdom how to appropriate our missions giving. Adam just whispered to me over lunch. Since the first Sunday that we've been talking about missions, 23 slips. We can look at that as just 23 slips of a congregation that is normally 90, 100 people of a Sunday morning. Now you tell me, is that a good percentage? Or we can look at that as, praise God, for 23 people who are willing to commit to trust you, Lord, to provide for the missionaries that we have. I will leave that up to you. My job is to look at those numbers, consult with the men, and come up with a budget, and trust the Lord. But I thought I'd mention that to you. 23 slips. You take it as God would lead you. Beloved, we are the ones. We are the Macedonians to the missionaries that's out there. Now in closing, how did these believers do it? How could they have given beyond their power. You want to know how? The answer is found in verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord. And secondly, these believers gave themselves unto Paul and his companions, meaning to the work, to the mission that Paul had, to being witnesses for Christ, both in Jerusalem, uh, in all Judea, and indeed in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. They gave themselves to that. That's what they did. Remember what I said to you in the introduction? When it comes to giving, money is not the issue. 
personalities. This is what I mean. The Macedonians in their great trial of affliction, in their deep poverty, they gave according to their power, not just what is in their power to give, but beyond their power. How did they do that? How can we in our time today give beyond our power? It will have to be by the giving of ourselves first. I've run some, at least seven missions conference now. And many times when I read the passage or talk about money, the first reaction from a congregant is how much. And yeah, that's part of it. But this year, would we go here first rather than the wallet? That's the easy part. This is the hard part. The reality is you and I will not part with that dollar in our wallet and give it in the offering if we haven't given ourselves to the Lord first. We have already established, according to the scriptures, whatever we think is ours, it's ours only because God allowed us to have it. Secondly, it was God who bestowed the grace unto these Macedonian churches. And what he bestowed was not meant to be stowed. It's not meant to be kept. It's meant to be given. It's meant to be shared, to minister unto the saints. To this day, I remember a departed brother, Wayne Harper. He's in glory now. But he was my mission's professor. I have him in my class with Brother Ron Boyton. There's only two of us in the class. As I was writing this sermon, somehow it impressed upon my heart, I believe, about this man. I learned a lot about his class. He's given us a couple of books that I've read and reread. But Brother Wayne Harper had this saying written in one of his folders, which says, God didn't give you money to improve your standard of living, but to improve your standard of giving. Did you get that? God didn't give you money to improve your standard of living, but to improve your standard of giving. This, beloved, is grace giving. This is faith promise giving. This is giving beyond our power because we are relying on the power of God to supply it. Over the next few weeks, Ricardo will be familiar with this. I will be staring down a spreadsheet which contains slips and the amount of it that I do not know who wrote and who committed. If 25 slips is all that we have, I'll have to work with 25 slips. It will be a task and a half because if the numbers don't add up, 
I'm going to have to write to some missionary out there in the field to say, Brother so-and-so, I thank you, we appreciate your ministry, but this year our, our pledges are such at a point that uh, we're not able to continue your support. I could do that. I don't want to do that. But I may have to do that. Or I could write to a missionary and say, Brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, our church committed X amount of money for missions program this year, and I'm happy to report that we have decided to increase your support from X to Y on this financial year. We will continue to pray for you. God bless you. I could write that letter. I'd love to, that, to write that letter. But it all depends on what comes in. And of course, the budget is a budget. We still have to trust the Lord for it to come. But this one thing I tell you before I close, this grace giving, this faith promise giving, over the course of the month is for us to be reminded that there are real people with real needs and real lives in the countries that we support. I'm pleading with you. I'm not asking you for money for me. I'm asking money for the missionaries that we have. And if it takes one cup of coffee less a week, and if it takes one less pair of shoes this year, and if it takes a bold faith to trust the Lord to give this amount of money for missions, would you do it? Just so that we can get those men and women and their families continue to stay in the field. My last thought before I say something about the faith promise leaves is this. In my youngish life, younger than most of you, or some of you, I have proven some few things in my life. Um, one of those proofs is that God takes care of his own servants. At the end of the day, God is able to supply the needs of those missionaries. No pastor can plead for his missionaries more than the Lord can provide for his own pastor and his own missionaries. But if you would be given the privilege and a part uh, in this missions program on the authority of God's word, and I'm not preaching prosperity gospel here, I know, because I've proven it, that God will provide and supply your need. I don't know how. All I know is he will. You may not need to be in the hospital for some time. Somehow, that kilo of pork or beef or whatever you had lasts longer. 
somehow that expected bill that you thought would be there is not there, or at least the amount is not there. I don't know. Nor, quite frankly, don't care to know. But what I do know is this. If we become good stewards of his provisions and use his grace and his provisions for the purpose that he wants us to use it, he will bless you. These little slips that I've been talking about for the last few weeks now, I, I trust that um, you've considered it. I, I tried my best to write a little letter for you here. Uh, we we uh, have biblical reasons why we do faith promise uh, offerings. We have some uh, write-ups here in regards to it, some verses. And then we have this little slip here, a commitment slip, uh, which is uh, in two parts. The, the other one is you fold it and you sort of tear it out and you put it on the offering bowl when it's passed. And it says here, my promised amount, and there's a dollar and there's a hundred dollars and there's others. Then it says weekly, monthly, or one-time offering. Well, Pastor Manny, why bother? Why do you have to do this? Because I cannot budget for a desire. We need to know as uh, your leadership and find out how much will be our commitment for the year so we can appropriate those commitments. And again, this is not... Uh, and you'll hear me say this next Sunday, uh, you're not compelled to participate in this. This is not your pledge to me. Uh, we don't check on this. It's anonymous. We don't take the time to decipher who wrote this. But we need some sort of a guidance, and that's why we do it. Would you consider it? Would you prayerfully consider it? And if you say, I don't have much, Pastor Manny, I know I don't have much too. But little is much when God is in it. Your one dollar, your hundred dollars, your ten thousand, collected, compiled together, can really make a difference in the people's lives in the regions beyond. So with that, I, I'd like us to uh, understand that uh, that can be your part. You can go, you can give. But before I close, if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you know of Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with him, I really am not asking for your money. And when I say to give of yourself, what I mean by that in that context is to give yourself to the Lord. Quite frankly, the Lord doesn't need your money. But I tell you what, you need all of Him. So if you're here, or you may be watching or hearing me right now, and you're not 
a believer in Jesus Christ. Perhaps that's the first thing you should do. To give of yourself to him. And give us the opportunity to tell you, as Gary did, in the people of Aura, as many of you do in your own community, give us an opportunity to tell you, not our opinion, but what the Bible says about giving yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he loves you. That's why he died for you. But you give yourself to him as he gave himself to you. Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you for a wonderful day that we've had thus far. Thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you for the challenge that we have seen and heard and learned. And Lord, as we have enjoyed uh, each other's company, I pray that in some small way we have been a blessing to someone today. And Lord, uh, we understand that uh, we've been given much, and therefore perhaps much is required of us. And we, in our affluence, in our comfort, may we consider, if we're not able to go, that we would give to those ones that have gone or are going through the financial resources that you have blessed us with. I thank you, dear God, for this opportunity to plead for your people, knowing that at the very end of it, you always take care of your children. How good it will be for each one of us to have a part in our missions endeavor for this year. We give you the praise, we give you the thanks, and we trust in you, the provider of all. These things we put before you now in Jesus' name.